folks, and welcome to the Hop and Brew School podcast. I'm Justin Crosley. And I'm Nick Ziegler. And we are your hosts today for another exciting, action-packed episode of the Hop and Brew School podcast. So, yeah. <laughs> Thanks for being here with us, and for all of you for listening and sharing the show with your friends. Uh, like us on iTunes, if you would. Give us a nice rating. That's, uh, that would be kind of you. And, uh, and help us spread the word so that... Uh, what's our purpose here, Nick? To help everybody make better beer. Yeah. That's right. That's right. The most out of hops. So if you keep spreading the word with us, uh, then we'll all be able to drink some better beer. Um, today's episode is uh, for you pro brewers out there, or you aspiring pro brewers. You're going to want to uh, keep this in your in your toolbox uh, for for your future. Um, we're going to be talking about hop contracting today, um, and and there's a lot to it. And you know, I'm excited about this because I, you know, I know is in in essence what hop contracting is, but I've been you know hearing brewers Brewers talk about it uh, for 14 years on the Brewing Network and never really understood all of the ins and outs. So this will be the first time that I'll get a good understanding of it as well. So excited about that. I am excited to share some knowledge, too, because it's um, it's really important. Um, it's a really important part of uh, of being successful as a brewer. And so I want to help everybody succeed as much as they can. Excellent, and I've always thought of it as a very uh, difficult thing to do. Uh, how to how to figure out uh, when to do it, how to do it, how much to do it. So Nick's going to walk us through all of that today, and 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 maybe I'll it'll demystify it for me, so it doesn't seem like such a wild animal. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, in the meantime, uh, just before we get started, I wanted to let you know about a couple of things happening. For one, uh, Yakima Chief Hops and the Brewing Network will be at HomebrewCon this year, and we'll be broadcasting live from there. So that'll be fun, Nick. That's going to be a blast. Um, we're, I think we're set, set up right next to each other, so this is going to be pretty fun. We've got a ton of beers coming out uh, to, to HomebrewCon. We're going to get you guys to taste a bunch of stuff. We're going to have a ton of hop samples and some hop gear as well for you guys to uh, to enjoy the swag. And uh, you know, it's, I'm going to be there with uh, my brewer and my head of sensory, so we're going to be talking about hops and teaching you all about how to analyze them and, and, and how to rub them and smell them. And we're going to be there just to, you know, to answer all your questions. And uh, we're going to be on the show as well. So I think we're doing a live recording or two there too, aren't we, Justin? Yes, sir. I think, uh, shoot, we might do, we might do three or four even. All right. Yeah. So it'll be fun. And then at the end of homebrew con, as always happens, the, I guess it's the unofficial closing party. Uh, the Brewing Network's 14th anniversary, BNA 14, is happening Saturday, June 29th. Uh, and we're, we rented out the FET Music Hall in, in downtown Providence there, which I'm super excited about. It's a, it's a great venue. Um, I've got a surprise musical guest coming, which should be fun. Um, and we've got a, a great VIP hour, which is sponsored by Yakima Chief Hops which I'm very excited about. And uh, you can go get your VIP tickets. You get a little something extra. You get in an hour early. You get to hang out with the Brewing Network crew and the Melvin Brewing crew and the More Beer crew. Um, and everybody else, uh, it's going to be a great time all night long. So it's a little cheaper ticket for 35 bucks. You can come in for general admission. Um, I am curating the tap list now, and I'm, I'm, getting, I'm getting pretty excited about it. I just locked down Trillium today, Nick. Ooh. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, I'll keep letting y'all know what the tap list is looking like uh, as time goes on, but I'm excited about that. Uh, great, so, great brewery. So you 
the brewers, you get to hang out with the brewing network crew, the brewers, um, but we're not invited. <laughs> you mean Yakima Chief's not invited? Yeah, uh, what the hell, man? Of course you are. Uh, you guys will be on hand. Actually, the VIP hour is really about uh, you you folks uh, presenting to uh, the, the, the party to the VIP crew. Um, if you want to be on stage doing the Q&A with me and everybody else, I'm down with that. I just didn't want to. I just didn't think you'd want that type of abuse. <laughs> I thought you'd want to just oh. party. I thought you'd want to party with the people. Uh, oh boy, <laughs> I don't know, man. Yeah, yeah. Let's see. You're gonna have to figure this. Think about this one before you answer. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you can go get your tickets now. Go to thebrewingnetwork.com and get your tickets. Uh, also coming up uh, later on in the summer, at the end of summer, there the actual hop and brew school. Um, the the whole thing that started this accompanying podcast is hop and brew school uh, up in Yakima that uh, Yakima Chief Hops puts on. Tell us a little bit about this. Yes, Nick. All right. So that is from August 30th to September 2nd. So that's Labor Day weekend. Um, and we scheduled it this way, this way this year so that people could we, could, we could make sure that people could attend without having to take days off, really. Um, and hopefully that won't affect the brewing schedule because that weekend most people have off already. So it is going to be here in Yakima. It's going to be at 203 Division Street, which is uh, where the research facility is, and or one of the research facilities, and a lot of our warehouses are. So it's going to be a pretty big old fun one. And this is the sixth. 16th annual Hop and Brew School. So we've been going on wow. a little bit longer than the Brewing Network. That's great. Um, but it's going to be really, really fun. And so you're going to get to come out here, experience, uh, you know, what the farms are like, what the growers are like, what our processing is like, uh, and what the hop harvest might look like. And you're going to see exactly where your your great beer re- begins. You know, we like to say that great beer grows here and because it does. Um, it's, it's really fun. So um, let's see. Starting, uh, yeah, we Friday, August thirtieth. Yeah. Uh, there's a Hop and Brew School uh, podcast. Or that, yeah, bleh, sorry, we're going to be recording there as well. But the start of Hop and Brew School officially is from nine to five on Saturday. So the welcome reception at Bailbreaker Brewing uh, is from four to eight p.m. on that Friday, uh, and then Saturday the official start is nine to five, and we have keynote speaker. Uh, who is Vinny Solorzo from Russian River this year, which is I'm really excited to have him out, um, followed awesome. by some other speakers and breakaway sessions. So we're going to have uh, two tracks. You know, they're game, really either geared towards pro brewers or home brewers and same topics, but we address them on different scales. Um, there's going to be some sensory, some training, uh, as well as farm tours and uh, breakaway sessions out at the farm. So you can get to meet individual growers and see their facilities and smell the hops in the field, which is fantastic. Um, And then there's an evening reception on Sunday. And then on Monday, we again have some more sessions from nine to five. So we've got speakers like Vinny Solerzo, uh, Justin Bruce talking about hops in fruit beer and pepper beer. Uh, Denny Kahn, he's going to be talking about American Noble. He's a great friend of the network and a friend of, uh, well, of hops and beer. And I think he's one of the godfathers of homebrewing uh, for us here in, in, in the States. Um, we've got Trolls Prawl and, and his cohort from White Labs talking about yeast and biotransformation and some other stuff. So it's a, it's going to be a blast. It yeah. costs a... Uh, about 300 bucks, and this includes it costs 300 bucks. This includes admission, uh, most of your meals, uh, and transportation to and from events and hotels. It's 
a blast. We get a lot of people from all over the world coming out. So you're going to get to interact with some of the usernames you know from forums as well as some famous brewers. So it should be pretty fun. It's, I'm looking forward to it. And as Nick mentioned, just to be clear, this is uh, this is open to both pro brewers and home brewers. There is content for both of you. Um, and uh, a lot of people from the Brewing Network have been. I have never been before. So I'm excited. I'm going to be driving up the old BN RV wagon and um, hanging out and we'll, 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 we'll record some shows and, you know, uh, drink some beer, probably. Oh, and get up to all sorts of shenanigans. I think it'll be fun. Love it. I'm excited. Okay. Uh, once again, you can go over to yakamachip.com slash events and learn more about that and register today. Okay. Nick, hop contracting. Let's start, let's start simple like I always like to do. And, and, and just what is hop contracting? Hop contracting is basically uh, going to your supplier of choice and making sure that you sign a contract that you will have enough hops to brew the beers that you need to brew um, several years out in advance. Okay. And now, why, why is that necessary? Why can't I just call you up on a, on a week-to-week basis and say, hey, I'm brewing a new beer and I need this hop. Give it to me. Well, um, so the, a, big, a big problem or a big reason you can't do that is that it's not like we just, you know, 3D print hops. It takes a long time. And I've, I think I've talked about this in, in episodes one and two, where the hop life cycle is, is pretty long. Um, so it takes, uh, you know, hops are all, are all clones of each other. So a, a, a variety um, like Citra or Simcoe, those all eventually came from one plant, okay? Not from a bunch of, they're, they're not propagated by seed. We actually breed them back and forth and, and try to create certain, uh, certain characteristics. But uh, every plant out there that is a Simcoe is a clone that came from either a tissue culture, uh, a root, uh, you know, cut, cut of rootstock, um, of you know the, that original mother plant, and so we have to propagate those out. But when you when you take a cutting and you take a take a small you know either soft cutting or or, or a harder rhizome cutting, and put it in the ground, it takes a while to get acclimatized and to get used to its environment, and it takes about minimum two years before it really starts yielding properly and two to three years before it's it's yielding properly meaning weight values uh in the and delivering the characteristics that we that we expect out of it so if you just call up and say hey i need some you know simcoe or or whatever whatever variety you're, you're asking about um we may not actually have it because it wasn't in the ground we may not have enough because we supply brewers all over the world, and it takes a while to to, to get the hops to the, the the point where they are delivering on their aromatics and uh, consistently on on the weight yields for 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 the fields. And of course, you also might not have it because others have already contracted it all, right? That's a big one, and okay. so we have to pay attention to um, you know our hop supply, and we have to look three years out at least. And we um, trying to right size our hop supply to hop demand is something that we do, like we're, we're looking at constantly, like every month we're making sure, every morning we have a, a supply and demand meeting um, and we adjust our forecasts, uh, you know, weekly. But we have to have everything set by 
you know, really the end of harvest so that we know that we can then propagate up these new, you know, either new, new fields of existing varieties or new varieties and have them in the ground and ready to, to emerge by the end of March. And so we have to make sure that we have enough babies and enough cuttings that have been, uh, you know, checked for disease and grown up and started to grow, uh, you know, six months before we actually, before spring, um, so it's a huge amount of planning. And if you don't right size the hop supply to demand, you know, it's a zero sum game. There's only so many fields that are available. And so if we don't have, if we, if we put the wrong hops in, then there's going to be an oversupply of those hops the next year and an undersupply of something that might be desirable. And so we really have to make sure that it's that it's balanced and it's 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 correct. And so when you talk about you know somebody else having contracted the varieties, that is a problem sometimes because the really popular varieties get snapped up quick. You know, um, Citra is now the the highest acreage and is is, is the most popular variety that we have um, and that everybody has because it's it's a fantastic hop. But it's all you know this year's all con- all contracted out. Wow. Just gone. All gone. Yeah. Um, and it was gone in like October. Okay. <laughs> uh, and so the, the situation is that we really have to, uh, to make sure that people are getting the right amount of hops for their needs. Historically, some people were looking at it going, oh, well, that means I should just take like as much as I can get. But the problem is, is that then gives us bad information. And so we might overplant something or underplant another variety and it throws the whole thing off balance. Um, and if someone's trying to hoard hops or trying to take more hops than they need, you're going to have to pay for them because, you know, we bet the farm on these calculations, literally bet the farm every single year. And if we spent, you know, $13 million planting hops and, and, our, and our, our growers, our family farms, uh, had to go to that expense and that management, you know, we have to, we have to deliver, uh, the, the payment back to them so that they can survive. You know, this is, this is a, it's a pretty, it's an intense, it's an intense business and, and yeah. our growers really know what they're doing. But if, if they're operating on, under the assumption that say growth is going to be X percentage, or there's not a there's not enough, then or, or, or that you know there's less growth than expected. Then brewers are going to go without hops, or um, you know they're going to and if if the you know just it's it's really simple on, on on one side, but it can get really really complicated on the other. Um, so <clears throat> why do it? It's basically to make sure that you have the hops that you need for your beer. Um, you have the right hops, the right volume of those hops, and at the right time. And it also ensures that our growers are growing the right varieties. They're growing them in the quantities that are required. And they want to continue growing hops rather than switch to a different product or a different crop because the, the, the economics make sense. Got it. Okay. Well, let's do this. We're going to take a real quick break uh, so we can get a word in from our sponsors. And when we come back, we're going to talk about when to contract, how to contract, and really dive in to some best practices that Nick's going to walk us through. Sound good, Nick? Sounds great. Hang in there. You're listening to the Hop and Brew School podcast, and we'll be right back. Welcome back to the Hop and Brew School podcast. Thanks for hanging out with us today as we talk about hop contracting. So now that we understand what it is, let's just start with a little more basics. And when do we start this pro- uh, this process, Nick? 
So you really want to start talking to your hop supplier um, ideally in July. Um, if you're in the north, if you're looking for northern hemisphere hops, um, uh, but you can do it right at or after harvest. So that would be early October, um, at least late September. But if you're in the southern hemisphere, that would be about early March. Okay, and Easy. that gives the growers enough time to to propagate out the, the the babies and to make sure that we have the right balance of varieties in the fields. Okay, now. Here's a here's a part that's just always uh, baffled me how how people are supposed to do this and 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 how brewers even can figure this out. But I guess that's why they're pro brewers and I'm not. But how far out are we contracting? Now that I understand that we're doing this in advance, um, am I just doing it for the year every year? Um, no, because that kind of defeats the purpose. So, um, as I said, the life cycle of hops is realistically the minimum thing you're looking at is about a three year cycle to, to have a stable yields and stable characteristics, barring any, uh, environmental catastrophes or giant fires in a hop warehouse. Um, and so we recommend actually, uh, you know, different suppliers are different, but we recommend not to go more than about three years out for your aromatics, particularly if you're a craft brewer, because we want to make sure that uh, you have the right volume of hops. But, and we, we recognize that there's a massively changing market and growth is, uh, is, can either be explosive or slowing and all that stuff. So we want to make sure that, that you're not digging yourself into a financial hole in terms of obligations to us, uh, in terms of uh, you know, contracting for way more hops than you actually need. Um, but we also want to make sure that you have what you do need so that you can grow at the pace that you choose. Understood. So, so three years is, is really what you're, you're going for. Yeah, so three years is 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 the outside range that we recommend, um, and uh, that seems to be work well for pre- pretty well for people. So five years is a little bit too long. We found, particularly with the the changing um, the changing style market and changing what people tend to. Uh, tend to gravitate towards. Um, but right. one of the things that we've found over the last couple of decades is that hops and hop character really are the driver behind craft beer, uh, the craft beer growth and explosion. Makes sense. Um, good. Yeah. Makes sense. Um, it's that those aromatics are what, uh, are what people are, people are after. Uh, but if you look at it, you'll see that the different types of aromatics have changed over the years and people get excited about different characteristics than they did, you know, 20 or 30 years ago. So we want to make sure that we're giving you the flexibility to, uh, to adjust to those changing tastes as well. Sure. You don't want to be stuck with hops and, and everyone else has moved on to something else because you're still under contract for the last one. Exactly, mm-hmm. um, and that's part of the part of the impetus behind this show is is to show people how to do that intelligently, but also how to um, you know I've, I've talked about using different formats of hops in different places to achieve different characteristics from the hops, and you can try to you know you can balance it out by by using that, but I'll get into that in, in, in a minute. So okay, all right, well, fair enough. So now we I understand uh, how far out, and now here's one that's always baffled me that brewers are able to calculate as well, and and that's how much to contract. And to me, there's just so many variables here. Um, the growth of the industry as a whole, uh, which beer of yours is going to end up being the most popular, uh, how much growth your own brewery is going to have. And there just seems to be so many variables. So what are some best practices to, to figure out how much? 
Well, this is where um, I I suggest that you try to control your own destiny as best as possible. Obviously, everybody wants to take advantage of, of growth opportunities and to grow as fast as they possibly can. Or do they? Um, when you're growing constantly and you're growing as fast as you can, that can be problematic because you can you can overextend yourself and expose yourself to risk by growing too quickly. Um, so what you have to do is really set your sights on a percentage growth per year. And I highly suggest that you do not set your sights on doubling every year or 85% growth every year, like some uh, brewers have done in the past and have gotten themselves to the point where they had to sell off some of their breweries, um, which is, you know, that's always a problem because people depend on those for great beer and jobs. So we really, really, I really recommend that you, you take careful stock and, you know, be a little bit conservative on on what your growth is. So if you're projecting, say, 20% growth as your target, have some other tiers where you can you can be be satisfied with that growth. So don't bet your entire uh, brewing opportunity and your entire company on a ridiculously high number of growth because you're going to get yourself into debt that you can't get out of. Okay. okay? Yeah. At the same time you do have to grow so pay attention to to what you can reasonably do right and there are a bunch of factors but realistically you are going to be limited by the amount of wort you can produce so how much liquid you can move uh, you can suck out of the grain and get into a tank and how long and how much fermentation capacity you have so how long does your cycle time take per brand, and what is your average vessel occupation time. So once you figure those out, that's your, your, your absolute limits on how much liquid you can move through your company. Understood. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah. Okay. So now you move backwards, looking from that, saying, okay, um, I have the ferment- fermentative capacity to turn 25,000 barrels this year. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but that assumes that every single beer right. comes out right on schedule and we clean the tank, empty the tank, process the beer, and fill the tank in the same day. Over okay. and over. So that's your absolute best case scenario. Calculate that first. <clears throat> Calculate your absolute best case scenario. Okay. Then look historically at how many, like what percentage of your tank turns actually hit that schedule. Got it. Okay, and you're going to find that it's probably somewhere between, you know, if you're good at this, 80 to 85 percent. If you're bad, less than 50 percent. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, this is not about skill. This is about um, careful planning, execution, and also just building in uh, a bit of a buffer for the inevitable. Oh God! The valve didn't open. The boiler went down. Uh, Tommy was sick. Uh, you know, the yeast exploded everywhere. Uh, we had a there was a strike in in France, so we couldn't get ingredients across the channel. There was a snowstorm in Colorado. You know, whatever, any of the stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and you know, just take a look at your at your your history and see roughly how how things have gone. 
and when you see hiccups. Okay. Okay. All right. And using that, that should allow you to have a pretty good idea of what your actual target of liquid throughput without too much stress could be. You know, obviously you can always, you're always going to try to try to do a little bit better, but again, absolute maximum feasible maximum and then build your contracts and your growth based upon that feasible maximum. Got it. Okay. Okay. Once you're there, now you have your, uh, your brand split. Okay. So you have a bunch of different beers that you make and you know what percentage of that total feasible maximum your, your a given brand occupies. Okay. Yeah. Most people, uh, most breweries, it's going to be something like the following, probably about, uh, 25 to 50% of your portfolio is going to be your flagship IPA of whatever type, clear, hazy, brute, whatever it is. Um, 20 to 30% is probably going to be your pale and the remaining, you know, 10 to 20% is going to be your seasonals, your mixes, your stouts, your everything else. And it's going to be, it's going to vary depending on where you are, uh, in, in, in the world and what type of brewery you've, you've targeted. Like obviously Jay from, uh, the rare barrel is, you know, his core is not an IPA. Um, it's going to be something different because that's, that's what, that's what his model is based on. But you're still, you should be able to look at your, at your business model and look at your consumption and have a pretty good perspective on how things are going. And you should be tracking your sales of every variety. Um, you know, you should have a meeting with your sales team every week to look at how, uh, brands are doing, um, because you can't just, you know, make beer off the cuff. Uh, and just like we say, we can't, we can't just grow hops immediately for to, to demand. Uh, you have to sort of pay attention and you have to plan out your tank time because you have a finite amount of, of tanks. And so if one is being filled with say a stout, that means it can't be filled with an IPA. More importantly, if one is filled with a lager that takes four to six weeks to finish, to really get it to where you want it to be. And your IPA takes, you know, 10 days well, your lager is taking up three to four IPAs. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. So this is why a lot of historically a lot of craft brewers weren't producing really good lagers because it was you know they were the opportunity cost of of brewing a lager was was huge compared to how fast IPAs sold and how popular IPAs were. Sure. So. Once you figured out what your actual brand split is of your feasible maximum, you can then look at your ingredients required for each of that. So you know, so I, I typically break it up into number of brews of a given variety that you need, that you plan on making in a year. Okay. So that is, if I have, if, if my cycle time for my my pale ale, my IPA, they should be about the same. So let's, let's just use two weeks as an example. That means I can get a maximum of 26 uh, brews of that variety uh, every year into one tank. Yeah, okay. Right? So you have how many tanks you have, how many brews does it take to fill that tank? Is it two, four, one, seven, 13, whatever it is? Um, and then you 
multiply that out by the percentage of your overall production. So let's go back to the 25,000 barrels. Yeah. And your feasible maximum is, say, 80%. Okay, so 0.8 times 25,000. And then of that, your IPA is 50%. So now it's 50%. So take that 80% of your feasible maximum, of your 25,000, divide it in half, and that's how many batches of IPA you plan on making in the coming year. Okay. Then you look at your hop split in there, or I don't going to tell you to do this for all of your ingredients uh, for every beer, but for in terms of hop contracting, you want to look at that and say, okay, well, that means I need uh, so for per per batch, I use 25 pounds of Citra, I use uh, 13 pounds of Columbus, and so on and so forth, and then you just multiply that out by how many how many brews you have to brew per year to satisfy that demand. Got it. Okay. And that's really all there is to it in on the on the larger uh, larger scheme of things um so that but then you have to start counting in things like your growth plans are you going to be growing at uh 30 percent are you going to be growing at 10 percent are you going to be growing are you actually going to double this you know in the in the coming year um and this is a very risky way to contract because um with growth in mind, we always advise customers to contract with steps in mind. And to be 100% transparent, we need you all to exist. We need our brewers to be as successful as, as possible so we have someone to sell our hops to. Right. Um, so we are not interested whatsoever in gouging y'all on prices and taking advantage of any issues we will always work for work with you to make sure that you you know that you survive as a company and i'm trying to develop some tools from some things that i've learned over my over my career to help you things do things like this um so what i would suggest and what we suggest as a as a as a, as a guideline is that you make sure that you have 90 to 100 percent of what you need for the current year contracted and that's to, to ensure that you'll have access to the hops that you're looking for, as well as, well as living yourself a little room for unplanned events and changes. Okay, so let's go back to the 25,000 barrels times 0.8, so 80% of that, times 50%, and then you want to either take that whole 50% of your hops like of, of, of your hop split for that IPA, or, you know, maybe you want to say, okay, well, let's, let's give it some flexibility in case we have to, to change, uh, to change the brand, you know, or change or, or create something new. Um, or we've been seeing that this brand is slowing down, so we shouldn't contract as much of the hops for it. Okay. Yeah. Now, this you you are going to notice things like seasonality and periodicity. You're going to see uh, peaks and valleys of uh, of demand for different beers. So stouts typically uh, bump up in uh, in the wintertime, and just after New Year's, 
beer in consumption in general tends to slow down a little bit because people are, uh, you know, New Year's revolution. I'm not going to get so fat. Um, and also, they just spend a lot of money on Christmas, so, so the disposable income has gone down a little bit. So you can plan that you're not going to maybe produce as many beers in in the downtime, you know, in, in January, Christmas time, something like that. But leading up to it, you're going to pr- have, probably have to double your production to make sure that you have enough to, to get through that period and to make sure that people have enough beer for Christmas parties and so on and so forth. Um, these are things you need to pay attention to. And you need to have your sales team be really paying attention to this uh, so that you know not only how much, how many hops to take, but when to have them delivered. Okay. Because that, ma- that matters a lot. Okay. Um, okay. So that's for, that's for your current year. So that's like, so this that's year how, when that's you guys, how I get started. If I'm just doing my first contract, that's how I get started with my, that's how you get started. My first year. Okay. Um, now I get, now we're going to talk about year two and three. And, and one thing I guess I have to ask in, in advance is, um, can I change my contract at all? Cause I'm feeling like, all right, all right. I, I, I just had to wrap my head around year number one. Now I got to wrap my head around year number two, but I don't want to have too much. So can I order a little less and then add later? How, how do we get into year two? So that's exactly what we're, we, we suggest people do is that we, we, we like to work with you to create these steps. Okay. Um, and so that year one is 90 to hundred percent year two, 60 to 80% of what you need. See, I'm okay. glad you're saying this because I would have thought the opposite, right? Uh, just think about it from the outside. I'm like, all right, if I order so much on uh, the first year, I better order even more the next year. But you're saying actually order less of what you think you will need. Yes. Okay. And so what that does is that gives you room to flex as the year gets closer to, uh, as the, as the, as the upcoming harvest year. So that's something we think about as crop year, which is, which ends in September 29th or October 2nd. Um, and so you want to have about 60 to 80% of what you think you'll need to, uh, through, um, really through sort of, uh, January, February, um, cause it takes time to process the hops. Um, and uh, as that date gets closer, talk to your hop supplier and adjust up or down. Got it. So this contract I'm making for three years is doesn't mean I'm done ordering hops. No, 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 no. So you 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 want to have as many conversations with your 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 hop supplier as possible, so that you can make sure that you that we are both operating on the same set of information and that you are. Uh, setting yourself up for success and not overspending on hops you may not need or not underspending and, uh, and, and hampering your own potential growth. Okay. So similarly for that third year, maybe only have 30 to 50% of what you project you'll need on contract. Got it. So even less. Yeah. So end of year one, You've you've used up your ninety. You've 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 used up the hops that you uh, you needed, and that'll be probably around uh, December January ish. Um, and so that's say like I'll give you an example. This year, so this year we are still currently on crop year eighteen, right? Okay. Yep. So last year you bought a bunch of hops, you contracted them, and now it's we are in May, and so you are still using like you will have started using your crop year eighteen hops at the beginning of 2019. Okay. Because it takes time for us to take the harvest in, process those into the appropriate formats, and get them to you and ship them out to you. Understood. 
So you always want, so your whole year inventory is going to be harvest date plus three months. Okay. So assume, uh, like, yeah. if, you, if you predict that you're, depending, depending on where in the world you are, because obviously if you're in, um, you know, Yellowknife or up in, uh, you know, way up in, you know, the Northern Territories in, uh, in Alaska or something like that, or Canada, uh, it's, it's going to take a while for us to get your hops to you because it's hard. It's all ice. Um, okay, yeah. but, um, what you want to do is you want to make sure that you have enough of your current year to get you to the point where keep you, to keep you brewing to when we can deliver the first lot of your hops to you. Okay. And so Northern Hemisphere harvest being around early October, add three months to that, uh, depending on where you are. Southern Hemisphere hops would be like early March, um, add three months to that. So, you, so, you, so your, co- your year contract's got to get you through to then, and then you get, yep. you get a whole batch of new hops. Got it. Correct. And uh, so that, that's really, that's, that's really the, the core thing to remember. Um, and so once your 2018 hops uh, have come through, and so you're, you're, it's now um, October 2nd, or it's not October 2nd, but well, yeah, it's October 2nd or, or September, somewhere around there, um, you take a look at that 60 to 80% of what you thought you would need for your year two. You talk to your hop supplier and look at it and go, huh, okay, well, I actually burned through all of my hops by October and we just installed a bunch of new tanks and we've got a new sales team out, you know, we're going over the Rockies for the first time. So I'm going to have to turn that 60 to 80% into like 150. Does that make sense? So you have to get way more hops than you needed because your growth was, was way higher than, than you got. Now what's the risk there? Too many hops. I've too spent, many hops. I've spent too and, much money. And you didn't budget in your growth model. Like you have the opportunity to brew that much beer, but you don't have the cash on hand. Okay. Mm. Cash flow is the single largest, single no, number one reason for the failure of breweries. Yeah, poor management of your cash flow. It's poor cash flow management. And uh, one of the ways that you have problems with that is you get into over-contracted situations or you paid for assets um, that, aren't, that are being underutilized. So it is actually better to grow a little bit slower than you think you need to do than what opportunities you might have. Sometimes there's obviously always, always ways around that and always, there's always exceptions. But in general, pick a target for growth and stick to it. Okay. Banks like that. That's how you get good loans and and financial discipline and, and growth based discipline. So if you set a target of eight percent growth per year as minimum to be financially viable, then you're budgeting for that. If you have the opportunity to grow and you have enough cash to grow at twelve percent, sure. Go ahead. But if your business plan only demands that you grow at 8% per year, then as soon as you hit that 8% growth, take a long, hard look at your your cash flow to make sure that uh, you don't overextend yourself by committing to growth that you can't sustain. Okay. Got it. And so you just keep having that conversation. So then your year one becomes your history. And then year two, you modify that to, to, to fit whatever you need. And you can modify the, the varieties and the split and the volumes. Um, and then once that year two is out, year two and one become 
historical data, year three becomes year one, then year four is, you know, you just keep keep rolling this process forward. Okay. All right. And keep having those conversations. And- keep having those conversations. We are interested in your success. So really, we suggest that, you know, we don't know what's going to happen three years from now. So only contract for those three years out the hops that you know are going to be absolutely essential to your business. Okay. So let's talk about that then. Uh, what varieties are, are important to contract? Honestly, all of them. Okay. Because, uh, you know, as I said earlier, there's, there's a finite amount of, of, of fields and trellis space. So, you know, if a variety is just if it is an oversupply, we're going to rip it out and plant something that we, we perceive to be in higher demand. So this year, for example, Cascade went and got changed out for a bunch of Citra. Interesting. Okay. And so that means that, you know, there isn't a glut of Cascade on the market anymore because people need Citra because we, we don't have any more Citra. Like nobody has any more Citra. So we have to make sure that, that we can supply the Citra needs of the brewers who are depending more and more on this hop to, to make their beer. So, um, really you want to look at what you need to make the beers that you want to make and contract those. And so if you want Cascade, get it on contract because it might be ripped out next year. And if you need that, that hop, even though it's, you know, it's a traditional old common hop or something like that and public variety, whatever, if you need it and it's not there, then you're kind of SOL. Now, is that something that you help me with, too? For example, I come to you and it's clear that one of my most successful brands is Cascade and and I'm ordering a lot of it. Is this mm-hmm. something that you tell me like, hey, I've noticed that Cascade's really important to you. I want to let you know we're we're cutting down on the capacity of that crop and replacing it with Citra. So, you know, you, in other words, you kind of guide me to how much I, I should order for the future as well. Absolutely. And um, I can't speak to other other suppliers, but we are never, ever going to intentionally mislead you. Yeah. About so it's this. a very transparent process. I mean, like you said, if I don't succeed, it costs you money, too. So uh, you're 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 perfectly transparent about things like that. Like, hey, we're going to produce less of that hop. I just want you to know. Yeah, I mean, okay. we uh, had to have a very difficult conversation with a very large and very important customer around a variety that they love, and it, that variety is Sriracha Ace, uh, and almost nobody's growing that hop anymore because it's uh, it doesn't yield super great. Um, again, the clones, you know, it's it's you know, the hops can get can get genetic issues over time and all that stuff, but they they absolutely require this hop for their for their production. Mm-hmm. So, like, hey guys, you know, these fields or like we'll grow it for you but there's an opportunity cost here for our growers where they want to be growing citra but instead they have to grow sriracha ace at a lower yield or something like that yeah so we're gonna have to you know work on the pricing for that yeah it makes sense that makes sense okay well i like that part the really working together with the brewers and and the farmers you know yeah and so like i mean our company goal is to connect family farms the best, you know, the best growers in the world, the best family farms to the best brewers in the world. Right. And we really try to do it. And the contracts are one of the major avenues for that conversation and, and getting to know each other. Okay. I got it. Okay. So, um, 
I'm going to move us along a little bit here, Justin, to make sure that we have enough time for uh, for to get get through this stuff, but then um, really help people understand how to do this. So one of the things that uh, a lot of brewers, you know, say is that oh, if you contract, you're going to be limited to those varieties. Well. No, you can buy stuff on spot on top of those, um, but you want to make sure that you have your core, the dreaded core range, you know, your, your core hop needs met. And realistically, everybody has bestsellers, okay? You should be targeting those brands and making sure that you have your core and any planned seasonal releases or special releases covered, okay, for a max of about 10 to 15% over or under the projected demand for that, Okay. Got it. So, um, for those brewers who uh, don't have any core range and just brew one-offs all the time, you're not actually doing that. If you look carefully at uh, at your recipes, you're going to see that your best sellers, the one-offs and all that stuff, are permutations on a theme. Like there's something that you do that yeah. you're good at, and there's always going to be like it's you you will you will naturally settle into this, huh? Everything I make that's about six point two percent and uh, fifty IBUs and dry hop to snot at the end of of, of the the fermentation cycle or the, the maturation cycle. That's what is driving my my growth and my and my existence. So you don't actually have, even though they're, they're different combinations of hops, um, you know, you have created a sort of something that you're known for and something that is your best sell, your best seller. You're naturally going to gravitate towards doing that. Um, but what you know, this is something that I've talked about before on the, on the show is that you can actually take the same five or six hops and mix them and match them in different proportions and use them in different formats and at different times and get completely different results. And so you're not actually limiting yourself by uh, making sure that you have these, vari- these varieties. What you're actually doing is creating space in which you can play around and also removing a hell of a lot of anxiety um, regarding cash flow and, and hop supply. Got it. It's a lot to take in, a lot to forecast. It is, but so I mean, I I hope to have some forecasting tools available for you all uh, soon. Um, I need to make sure that they're all the all the equations work in them, and so we can you can use and make the right decisions. Um, and I'll let you know when that, when when those come up. I'm I'm hoping to have them by harvest, so we'll see. Um, and this is something that you know, as as a home brewer, you can you should be able to be doing as well. To be honest with you, is that uh, this will allow you to buy in bulk. You know, with a homebrew club or something, and to make sure that that you have the best price on your hops for your you know lovely hobby, um, <clears throat> and so I'm gonna I'm just gonna go back a little bit here. So at Brewdog and at Magic Rock and uh, as a homebrewer, you know I've had really really good success relying only on seven to eight varieties of hops. And we actually had to phase out a lot of our hops down to five uh, because we preferred the results using those five over a wider variety of hops that cost us more money. Um, The convenient thing about this is this also pushed us over the limit required for selection, which is currently 5,000 pounds or 2,275 kilos. Um, And that's, of course, in the reason a slight difference in the math there is that uh, it's 11-pound boxes or five-kilo boxes is the smallest format that we do. Um, and so when that pushes you over that, that, that limit, you get to come to Yakima 
tour the farms, meet and get to know our growers and, and other brewers, and experience selection and pick exactly the variety and the lot that you want, which is really powerful because people like different things. And so even though we blend lots together to create um, you know, a, a varietal, a, a good representation of a variety um, for, for we call them, we call them group blends for brewers that are below that threshold. And that threshold, the minimum is because that's the lowest number that we can really effectively process uh, into a format. Um, and uh, counting, you know, losses and, and what's, what's, uh, and efficiencies and all that stuff. But, um, when you get here, you get to really pick exactly which lot you want. Uh, and you know, there's, there's variety within, within, within the, there's, sorry, there's diversity within the variety of, of hops. So we make group blends for growers or for farmer brewers that have not, geez, sorry guys. We make group blends for brewers that have not reached the, uh, that purchasing threshold. And we always are going to make sure that you get the best, best hops you can. Um, we don't keep all the best hops for selection. We use, like if, it, if it's not a good hop, it doesn't go out for sale. Just so you know that, um, we will, uh, make sure that the group blends contain just as many of the, or just as, as, as much of the uh, sort of most popular selected lots as individual lots. So we want to make sure that everybody has access to the best hops and it's not just first come, uh, you know, first come first serve and they get to pick, you know, all of them. Does it make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah. So we, we, try, we really try to protect all brewers of every size. So we're not just going to let one brewer take all of this super awesome, cool version of Citra that smells like tangerines and sparkly eyed hope, uh, you know, whatever it is. Uh, we want to make sure that everybody gets access to that at a certain percentage. Obviously not everybody is going to have complete access to it or in a hundred percent volume, but we want to make sure that those characteristics that are really desired, you know, everybody's got access to. I love it. I also love that in the, course of our podcast we've now gotten our second great nick ziegler quote which is if your beer tastes like tangerines and sparkly eyed hope <laughs> oh yes <laughs> or, or the subtle regret of dropping your ice cream cone off of the swings in middle school <laughs> right. you know, or elementary school um, a, a scientist and a poet i love it oh god so it uh, a spoet yeah Who knows yeah um so really this comes down to looking forward and planning and and communicating with people, with your suppliers. And I would, I would recommend do the same thing with your grain supplier, do the same thing with your salt supplier, do the same thing with your enzyme supplier, same thing with your hose supplier, and goddamn the same thing with your triclamp seal supplier, because that's always a... Uh, something that you need a lot of right. <laughs> and you run out of. <laughs> um, but... Really, you know, there's there's some resources out there already. I'm going to be trying to put together uh, some calculators for you. Um, see, uh, Terry Farndorfer wrote a uh, fantastic article uh, in the New Brewer in 2011, in the November-December issue. Um, that's on the BA. It's available for download on the BA. Um, and, you know, at CBC this year, um, hang on a second. Uh, we had some really nice presentations on hop contracting from Dick Cantwell and John Mallett. Um, so Dick Cantwell of obviously former Elysium and Magnolia Brewing and John Mallett from Bell's Brewery. So, uh, these guys really know what they're doing and they're some of the most successful guys in the industry. Yeah. So, uh, you know, when that, when that presentation is up and the audio is up, I recommend that you listen to that. Um, and so I guess finally, if you want to try some small amounts of newer, different hops, 
talk to us. You know, we love getting feedback on experimentals and varieties that are currently in short supply so we can provide you what you want. So um, don't rely on spot purchases or on, uh, you know, like lupulin exchange and stuff for your core varieties of hops. Use those tools for, you know, some fun things that you want to play around with. Um, and even if you don't need a lot of them, but the hops are unobtainium, <coughs> galaxy, um, or uh, Nelson Sovin, or, you know, whatever it is, of course, this depends what side of the world you're on, um, get them on contract, you know? It's, yeah. That way it guarantees you those, you know, 20 pounds or 100 pounds or 200 pounds of whatever you really, something you really need, uh, and you can make your beer with them. Okay. All right. Well, that's going to do it for today. Contract out your hops and follow the best practices outlined by our friend Nick Ziegler right here on this episode. Thanks, Nick. Thank you, Justin. And guys, you know, if you have questions about it further, shoot us an email uh, and we will do our best to to clarify any confusion because this is a lot of information. I understand that. Um, But this is one of those things where Excel is your friend. (laughs) There you go. Uh, Proper planning, everybody. And I learned a lot today. uh, So thank you for that. Uh, Folks, head over to yakimachief.com. You can learn uh, all about what Yakima Chief does. And if you go to yakimachief.com slash events, you can learn about the hop and brew school that's coming up uh, Labor Day weekend. Uh, Nick and I will be there. We'll be broadcasting and we'll be having fun with you, too. You can go register right now at yakimachief.com slash events uh, or contact Yakima Chief to start contracting your hops, right? Dang straight. Uh, <laughs> and this year, one of my goals for Hop and Brew School is not to get completely hungover on the last day. <laughs> my goal, too, actually. So hey, let's, let's do it together. We can be, we can be, we can be battle buddies. We can be responsible together. I doubt that's going to happen, but we'll try. Yeah, <laughs> we we haven't had too bad of a, a track record so far. So. You're right. You're right. All right, everybody. Well, thanks so much for listening to the Hop and Brew School. I'm going to do that again. Uh, all right, everybody. Thanks so much for listening to the Hop and Brew School podcast. We appreciate it. Go over to iTunes and hit the like button or the, the star review button, whatever it is. We'd appreciate that. And, and spread the word so that we can help everybody make better beer. You can also send your feedback over to Hop and Brew School at thebrewingnetwork.com, where you can also buy your tickets for BNA 14. If you're going out to HomebrewCon, that's Saturday, June 29th, our 14th anniversary party. Uh, Uh, The VIP hour brought to you by Yakima Chief Hops. So I'm looking forward to partying with you there also, Nick. I'm going to have a great time with you all there. And that's one of those things where I think I might violate the hangover clause. Yeah, there's no way around that one. That's going to (laughs) happen. All right, Justin. Thank you very much. And thanks you all for listening. Thanks, everybody. Take care of yourselves and your beer. 